0: She sat in her chair. She was at her table. It was the table in the back corner of the coffee shop. Every day she sat there, ordered a quad espresso with half and half, and sat. She would sit for hours, running her delicate hand through her short black hair. Every so often, a guy would come up, ask to sit down, and throw up some horrid, trite come on line. Yes, it hurt when she fell from heaven. No, she wasn't tired from running through their minds. And no, She didn't have mirrors on her shoes because they didn't have a chance at seeing themselves in her pants. Then it happened. He swaggered into the cafe and sat down at her table without asking. He looked up at her and stared into her eyes for a moment. His dark eyes spellbound her. His cut short hair, quiet demeanor, and beaten at clothes all bled with mystery and sensuality. He asked her what she wanted. Something different, she answered. He grabbed her hand and pulled her out of her chair. He threw down a twenty on the table and tugged at her. She blindly followed him out of the cafe, into the street, into a quiet car ride, into his apartment. He lifted her into his arms and gently placed her on his bed. The sheets smelled like cloves. He told her to be ready when he got back from the other room. There was no reason she took off her clothes and slid into bed. The sheets felt like silk against her soft, supple skin. He returned, standing in the doorway in a smoking jacket and nothing else. He had a trim athletic build that made her swoon. He stood there for what seemed like an eternity, slowly taking deep drags off an aromic cigarette. The smoke cascaded down his face and over his chest with every relished exhale. He strolled towards the bed confidently. Her heart trip-hammered in her chest, but it felt like a tycho drum. He smiled a sly, pencil-thin smile and slid under the sheets with her. His skin was white-hot against hers. He pulled her to him, kissing her deeply. She panted softly as he kissed behind her ears, down her neck, to her chest. He lifted his head up, and their eyes locked for a moment. She nodded slightly, encouraging his advances. His lips parted to show a toothy grin. He licked her above her heart. She started as she felt a small, sharp pain. She tried to look down at him, tried to turn her body away, but found she couldn't move. Her eyes grew wide as the pain intensified. Her breath came in jagged bursts instead of the pleasurable panting from before. He moved back up her body, his lips glistening blood red as he licked them with a razor blade tongue. He said he wanted to be inside her, and with that her back arched violently as he plunged his well-manicured hand in her chest and started to pull. As gently as he could, he tore out her heart. His hand came up to show her his newfound treasure— The crimson gore dripping from his fingertips onto the pristine sheets next to her head. Hot salty tears came from her eyes like dead leaves in a fall bluster, staining the pillowcase. He stared into her eyes, hefting the red dripping lump to his mouth, and smiled. She watched in silent horror as he took a bite of her heart as if it were an apple. She couldn't help but stare as the juice ran down his chin. She weakly twisted her head in protest as the blood dripped down onto her face, hot and thick. He finished chewing the muscular mass and smiled a blood-stained smirk at her. You wanted something different, right? She shook her head as new tears rushed down her cheeks from eyes squeezed shut. Don't worry, love. You're not going to die. Yet, he said, laughing and sending a thin spray of spit and crimson out of his mouth. And that was Lunch of the Damned. My name is Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. This episode is going to be about editing your own work. That's why it's called Red Pencil Blues. It is extremely difficult to edit your own work, and it's a matter of context versus content. An editor will look at content, unbuilt-up characters, um, things that don't make sense, inconsistencies plot, your usual kind of arcs of things, they will look at that. Whereas when you edit your own work, you're looking at context. You know everything about every character you write, whether you write it in the story or not. So when you edit your own work, sometimes you'll miss things. You'll catch your spelling or errors. You'll kiss, kiss. You'll miss, um, you know, you'll, you'll catch the, uh, repeated words or missing words, um, stuff like that. But it is, very difficult um, to edit your own work, especially early on. Now, sometimes um, when I edited a few of the pieces for um, the show, I looked at certain things um, through an editor's um, eyes. I had enough time and distance away from the pieces that some of them that I've written um, that I can look at it and go well, this is an inconsistency. This character needs to be backdated. Um, the age discrepancy is wrong. Or why is this here? This doesn't make any sense. This either needs to get explained or cut out or so forth and so on. It's literally the idea of killing your darlings, which I don't necessarily agree with. I don't think you have to kill your darlings, which means that you you know have to bludgeon and, and surgically scalpel out um, some of your favorite work. I don't think that's true. I think... If you're doing it on your own, I think it's going to be more difficult, but you can use time and distance. Look at your work and go, okay, that guy's wearing a hat. Like, is a hat important? Look at, you know, the idea of Chekhov's gun. Is something introduced very early on? Does that get paid off? Everything should have a payoff, um, ideally. Now, whether you're writing a series of books and you know the payoff from book one is going to be in book three, okay. You know, use your foreshadowing, but make sure when you're editing that first book, that there's enough foreshadowing. When you're editing the second book, make sure there's enough uh, foreshadowing. And when you get to that third book, make sure you haven't A given away your twist um, or your payoff and make sure there is a payoff. Now, in a work like um, Lunch of the Damned, it was a matter of I had to think about the arc that the girl was going to take and really building up some of her transit to the apartment where the guy eats her heart. Now, an editor would say, this doesn't make any sense. Like, she just meets him and then goes into a car, goes into the apartment, gets undressed. Um, The fact that it's a quiet car ride is something that an editor would have caught and said, no, there would have been some kind of conversation or you need to use exposition to show why she came with him. A thought process, which I really don't get into. This was one of my, you know, earlier works. Um, When I edited, I edited for context, not content. So this is actually to show you what not to do. But it is very difficult to edit your own work. You're precious about it. And like I said, you know everything about your characters, whether you write it or not. So you might go, you'll read a part with no exposition and go, well, yeah, I know that's going to get paid off later. Or I know that this character reacts this way because of A, B, and C from their childhood. Well, a reader's not going to know that. An editor's not going to know that unless you describe it, unless you edit for content. Um, A later piece for another episode was um, 700 Degrees, and that's going to be a two-parter because it's quite long, but I had ended up writing the love interest character and never really explained her, and I had to look at, well, when can I put in the exposition for her backstory? Um, where I put it, does it make sense that it's there, or do I need to write, like, around it, and not shoehorn it in, because that's even worse, but make it so that it's logical where it occurs. I think I successfully did that, so when you listen to that episode, and it shows the backstory of Bethany in 700 Degrees, you'll see it seems seamless. That was not an accident. That was a lot of hard work. That was an extra thousand words. To get there before I even got to her backstory, and then you know, another thousand, um, fifteen hundred words to explain the backstory that way you know why she reacts in certain ways. 10 pages, 20 pages, 100 pages later, it's very difficult. I highly recommend Tethered by Letters editor program. You can submit your work, they have um, a bunch of editors that will look at it for free, give you notes try to do it as personalized as possible, and try not to do it as cold and professionally. Um, when I say professional, I mean like form letter rejection letters. They will take the time to help you understand why their edits will make your piece a better piece. Um, they will not tell you you're a shit writer and you should stop. They will say, okay, great idea, possibly bad execution. Here are ideas to execute it better. I don't recommend having friends or family look over stuff. I do have a few uh, bibliophile friends that I do trust when I give them stuff I've written that they will look at it um, in a detached manner. Um, I let Deb read my first novel, my friend Deb, um, and she really went halfway through the book. I can tell that you had stopped writing it and picked it back up, you know, months later because the main character's speech patterns are inconsistent from page 1 to page 150. That's something where I didn't catch it editing for content, um, because that would have been blatantly obvious. And when she pointed it out, I went, absolutely. I was more focused on finishing the piece. I was more focused on getting it done, paying off on my foreshadowing, and redeveloping the ending, which was weak in the original draft. She edited it for content. I edited it for context. That is something you need to keep an eye on. It's the best advice I can give you. Like I said, have someone who, you know, can look at it from an outsider looking in. You don't want your mom or any friends because they'll go, well, you're a great writer and you're a good writer and I really liked it. And they're doing that because they know you and they don't want to hurt your feelings. Luckily, I'm surrounded by (laughs) a circle of friends that are not afraid to hurt my feelings and can call out inconsistencies or bad writing uh, when they read my work, which I appreciate. I know they're not trying to hurt my feelings. They're trying to make me a better writer, and I want to become a better writer, or else what's the point? So keep that in mind when you edit your own work. Are you editing it for context or editing it for content? Like I said, very difficult when you're on your own, but you can learn. You can also talk to editors, get their advice just on what they look for and what they find, and you can use that on your own work. I've done that. I've talked to professional editors in magazines and um, anthologies and other publications, and I know what they look for. I know what turns them off, and I've used that as a template When I edit my own work, so that I don't get those red pencil blues. So we'll see you again in another couple weeks. Remember, you keep writing, they keep reading. Right on. Oh, yeah.